0: Bobrovsky is playing at the level he's playing at in the series. Do you feel like that's a challenge to you? You have to raise your game? I don't give a Why not? It doesn't matter for me. I'm doing my work. He's doing his work. I absolutely love that. That is how I think we're all on the same page about this, right? We want all our athletes to feel. About their opponents. Doesn't matter. I'm controlling what I can control. Just my game. That's it. Not going to be distracted by him. Even though him, in this case, Sergey Bobrovsky, has been outstanding. And the schedule is very much working in his and Florida's favor right now. More on that in a couple of moments. Uh, welcome to the program. Coming up here in a couple of minutes, Elliot Friedman stops by for his. Um, For his daily stop. And one of the things I want to get into with Freed is something that I talked about on the Halford and Bruff show in Vancouver this morning. And I've been thinking about it ever since we had the conversation. Which team's construction are you most impressed by? Uh, The answer that I gave was a combination of the Florida Panthers and the Dallas Stars. More on that in a couple of moments. But I'll be curious to think what Elliot says about that one. Oh, did I mention how much I really enjoyed uh, the breath of fresh air that was Samson off last night? We may have to revisit that quote. Uh, Jamie Storr, speaking of netminders, the president of the Oakville Blades, former NHL goaltender. uh, The Blades hosting the Junior 8 Championship Centennial Cup next season uh that was announced yesterday uh, so we'll talk to jamie store about that and a little look back at his career and goaltending as well uh, we're going to talk a lot about goaltending we're going to talk about goaltending with jamie store we'll talk about goaltending with kevin woodley in our two we'll go through all the goaltenders that we're seeing right now in the remaining eight uh go through the uh the pros and cons we should also park some time to, um, to pick up the conversation that we had yesterday about the Leon Dreisaitl goal from behind the goal line on Laurent Boursois two nights ago. So we'll get into that one uh, with Woodley from in goal Magazine and NHL.com. And then Jim Lights. Actually, Jim Lights is going to stop by in, in just over an hour. He's the uh, chairman of the Dallas Stars. And he was uh, the executive VP of the, Dallas, of the uh, Detroit Red Wings, rather, when... Uh, Peter Klima came over. Actually, him and Nick Palano were responsible for getting the now late Peter Klima over uh, to North America and into the Detroit Red Wings organization. Uh, that story is a fascinating one. Uh, we'll get Jim to tell it, um, how it happened, um, what the dangers were, what the scary moments were, and and not just getting, as I've found out, you know, one of the uh, one of the interesting sidebars to all of this is not just getting. Peter Klima out, and he was, by the way, the first Czechoslovakian player to defect to an American-based um, American-based NHL team. But also getting his girlfriend out as well is another really interesting story involving, I believe, driving people in trunks of automobiles. Uh, that story coming up with Jim Light's uh, chairman of the uh, the Dallas Stars, and we'll park some time and talk about the Dallas Stars with Jim coming up in hour two as well. In the meantime, Matt Marchese, our producer. So, Maddie, here's the question that I ask you, which is the question that was asked to me, which is the question I will ask Elliot Friedman in a couple of moments. Uh, which teams of the remaining eight, which teams from a roster construction point of view are you most impressed by?
1: Hmm. So uh, while you were saying I was going through the remaining teams in my head, and what I've kind of yeah. locked in on is I, I feel like it's a combination between the Panthers and the Hurricanes. And the reason why I okay. picked the Hurricanes is is they've found a way, despite maybe some average goaltending and, and injuries to important forwards, that they've managed mm-hmm. to get through all these injuries, lackluster performances in net, because they're so good defensively, they play fast, and they're a real pain to play against. And the mix is the Panthers because their speed and their physicality has really proven to be you know, a difference maker in their series against Toronto. So those are the two teams that I would go with.
0: See, I went with Dallas Stars as, as my. See, I went with Dallas Stars and Florida Panthers, and Dallas Stars is mainly because we've talked about this before. The multiple open windows for them, the multiple chances they now have at the Stanley Cup, and this is really a combination of you know everybody in the organization working together, mainly scouts. So Joe McDonnell needs to get a major tip of the hat for all of this. And it's it's not just a 2017 draft where they picked up Haskinen and Ottinger and Jason Robertson. But that was a big part of it. Um, but also, you know, Rich Peverly, who one day is going to be a general manager in the NHL. We all assume. I think he takes a real bow for this, too. You know, Dallas is good this year. Like, I don't know how far Dallas is going to get in the playoffs. I really don't. They could win the Stanley Cup. Right? like They're good enough um, to win the Stanley Cup, especially with a healthy Joe Pavelski back. Um, but even if they flame out against the Seattle Kraken, I don't think anyone's going to look at the Dallas Stars and say, mm, tough luck, that was their shot, back to the drawing board, who do they trade in the offseason? Uh, not at all. Like I'm convinced that one of the reasons why Jim Nill didn't load up around trade deadline time was because he knows this isn't their only shot at it. Like, I'm sure that Jim Nill was in on Timo Meyer. I'm sure that Jim Nill was in on Tyler Bertuzzi. I'm sure that Jim Nill was in on a lot of the big names that you heard about, but he wasn't prepared to pay premium prices because there's this year, and then there's next year, and next year, and next year. And along the way, players like Logan Stankhoven and Maverick Bork will join the mix, and Harley will become more of a fixture on the blue line as well. Uh, So I sort of default to Dallas on that one. Nonetheless, uh, we'll pick that conversation up and a little recap of what we saw last night. Preview of tonight's game singular game on this uh, Friday night with Elliot Friedman on the other side. Let's get going. This is
1: the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: As I mentioned, there was one game only one this evening. Watch it on Sportsnet starting at 8 o'clock Eastern. It is the New Jersey Devils facing off against the Carolina Hurricanes. Good afternoon, where you are, Elliot. Good morning to our listeners in the West. How are you today?
1: I'm good. I just, uh, I just woke up, Jeff. I actually feel a little bit guilty. <laughs> I just, so I, I, I just woke up. I so if anything has <laughs> happened, I don't know what's going on out right there.
0: Okay, well, you know what, here, here's something. Before we get on the NHL page, here, here is something that I was I was curious about and hope we get into it. Now that we have kind of a, a, a sleepy Elliot Friedman, maybe you'll say something that you didn't want to say if you were alert <laughs> about two coffees in you. So um, the Team Canada roster came out for the uh, IIHF World Hockey Championships. And okay. Adam Fantilli is on as, as, as we oh, expected. Oh, excellent. Adam Fantilli yeah, you reported there. that, right? So, you know, and... Yeah, that uh, a, a few weeks ago. And so that uh, that came true. So, you know, check one box. Jeffy got one. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that you'll be happy to find out that Jake Wallman is on there. Jake Wallman is oh. the Pride of?
1: The Pride of Armor Heights. Actually, I'm glad to hear that
0: yeah so he, uh, he he makes it on as well uh, devin levi sam montembo are the netminders and interesting in this in this lineup is milan lucic and the reason that i mentioned that it's interesting and it's nothing against milan lucic the player mm-hmm. i always find it maybe dangerous is the right word when players whose contracts are expiring and they're mm-hmm. heading into a summer where they're looking for a new contract go and play at the world championships like I if I always say it's like okay if I were a player I would always go always go always go and then you know sober second look you say to yourself well if I had a contract I would go if I had some financial security I would go this is my career my life my family's livelihood all of it um, and here's Milan Lucic, who's in, heading into a summer of question marks who's going to the World Championships, where you know you run the risk of injury, these are still very competitive uh, games that are being played. Does that raise an eyebrow to you, the fact that Lucic is without contract as of right now after July 1st, yet he's going to play at the World Championship?
1: Uh, I, you know, it's, it's much more of a basketball phenomenon over the years, and it's been a hockey phenomenon. Um mm-hmm. I I know that in the NBA, I've seen situations, especially when I used to deal with it more where players did not go to Olympics or our world championships or wherever, uh, because of insurance reasons. I have definitely seen that it is a more recent phenomenon in hockey. Um, Pedersen, for example, the Canucks, he can't play for Sweden because they can't work out the insurance issues. So, and that doesn't happen, uh, as much, um, You know, Lucic, first of all, I was actually glad to see it um, because, you know, they had a really tough year. Players like Lucic don't often get invited to World Championships because, you know, their style of play doesn't really fit what, um, you know, the World Championships are generally about. And, um, you know, I I, I think it's it's a great thing he's going. Uh, The fact that he would want to go and got invited, I think is excellent for him, but Jeff, uh, it, to me, it's a relatively newer phenomenon in hockey. Although I had seen it quite a bit mm-hmm. in in basketball, I'm just looking at the lineup right now. I have to tell you, I was looking at the U.S. lineup yesterday, and I was looking at the and I'm now looking yep. at the Canadian lineup. It's uh, like I, I don't know. Like, is it is it is it me, or does it seem like more players, more established players, I would say, are turning down this tournament than ever? Yeah.
0: Uh, absolutely, I, I don't think that that's. I think. Yeah, I mean, there's a there, there's a number of players here that are probably on this lineup, and I think for the United States as well, because other more established players are saying, you know what, I'm uh, I'm taking a pass, and and I wonder if that is a combination of. Uh, a few things. One, the season's really long, and by Mm -hmm. the time you get to the end of it, I mean, a lot of teams were close, and there's so much disappointment. Like, I can understand, like, I can understand pretty much anybody on that Pittsburgh Penguins team saying, you know what? That was an emotionally draining season. I need to recharge. I I need to, you know, I need to get my my mojo back here. These are some some veteran guys. Um, But I think that also... Uh, and may- maybe this is too much of a reach. Tell me whether you think this is a reach or not. Cause I thought this, thought the same thing when I saw the U S roster and the Canadian roster today, I know I have, I suspect you have, I suspect our listeners slash viewers have as well. I think everybody coming out of COVID has reprioritized a lot of things in life. I agree. 100%. And, what's important and what's not, and what's not important and what I now deem as fun, but frivolous, uh, I think we're measuring off, okay, I'll do this, but at what cost? You know, what's the old saying, you know, um, what we gain on the roundabout, we lose on the swings. You know, I think people mm-hmm. are, are measuring that right now in their lives. And I wonder if that's just a matter of, you know what, I've just had a long hockey season. Right now I have other things in my life that I want to do. Family is more of a priority perhaps coming out of COVID than ever before. So my decision is not to go play more hockey. That's what I wonder about.
1: Uh, I completely agree with you, Jeff, and I don't like I don't blame anyone for de- for deciding what they want to do with their lives. Um, if, if they want to spend more family time and or just relax and recover a bit more, I I have no problem with that. I actually should say I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing. Like uh, to be honest, like I look at no. the idea of a- Adam Fantilli at Team Canada, and I want to see it. You know, I saw Matt Coronado, for example, is going to play for Team USA. Yes. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him. Like like Matt Coronado, you know, we haven't seen him much against professional players. I I want to see it. Uh, um, yeah. uh, Levi for Buffalo, the way he ended the season. He's him and Mattenball are going to split the duties, I assume, and overseas. Um, I'm I'm happy to watch that. So I don't mind the new blood, the younger blood, the different blood. Like I said, I think I think it's a great thing for Lucic that he would get to go to that because. I don't know if that would have happened in in years past. So I'm I'm happy to watch some different players. Like you know, one thing I uh, you know I I, I kind of look at there is that sometimes fresh blood is is a good thing. So I don't mind it at all.
0: Yeah, no, nor 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 do I. Okay, so a couple of things here. I want to get to. I want to get a question. Essentially, I'm asking the uh, the Halford and Bruff show to do my show prep for me. But it's yeah. a Friday, so let's lick the envelope and here we go. Um, And I'm going to ask you this question, but I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about it while I ask you other questions and have different conversations. So I was on with them this morning, and one of the questions they asked was, which team's composition are you most impressed by? We're talking about roster construction. And of the Mm -hmm. remaining eight teams, which one impresses Mm -hmm. you the most by way of how they put this team together? So bracket that for a second. It's going to come up later in the conversation. But about last night... Mm-hmm. Uh, was last night in Toronto about just Sergey Bobrovsky or mostly Sergey Bobrovsky?
1: It was. I would say it was a lot of Sergey Bobrovsky. Mostly. First of all, it's about time that those guys did something useful that uh, could help you. <laughs> they, they could help you out. I mean, they've only had a one yeah, show for guys. what two years, and they finally did something that you could use.
0: Uh, it was a good conversation. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I think,
1: to me, that was a lot of Bobrovsky last night. You know, Toronto had one bad minute that really cost them the game. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny. My I just got a text right now. Uh, one of my buddies is listening to our pod, and he says, how come you don't complain more about officiating? And actually, I have to tell you, I kind of laughed at the question. I was writing to him because... I've actually had a few battles this off season with some people over some of the things I've said about officiating, but he says, you don't complain about it enough. And I said, well, you know, it's kind of, I, I, I said to him, it's kind of my way in the sense that if I do something badly or do something wrong, I don't like to blame other people. I kind of like to blame myself. So it's kind of true to who I am in a lot of ways. Um, so when I look at last night, I know there's a lot of Maple Leaf fans mad this morning about the referees and stuff. But to me, it's you had one bad minute and the goalie beat you. Like, that's why I think they lost that game. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, like, Bobrovsky has been incredible. He has returned to 2019 playoff form or 2000. 13 Vesna form you know whatever you want to use as your as your yardstick he he is that goalie right now. I think the the bad thing for Toronto not only is he at that level but a guy who uh, Florida worries about when he starts eight to nine games in a row is now going to get two extra days off uh, between games three and four and uh, two and three and three and four. So I think that's a really good thing for Florida. But generally, like the wild thing about the playoffs is the result the result only matters if you get a W. Like sometimes you're gonna play games you, yeah. you don't deserve to win and you're gonna win them. That's the playoffs. You don't need to apologize for that. The mm-hmm. wild thing about Toronto's playoffs so far to me is that I think at five on five Tampa was the better team for a lot of the series, but Toronto beat them fine. You don't have to apologize for that. I think at five on five in this series, Toronto has been the better team for a lot of it. And they're down. Oh, and two. And just like the Maple Leafs don't have to apologize for the first round, Florida doesn't have to apologize for this round. And I, I think like, like, I don't think this series is over. I think if Toronto continues to play like that, they have a chance to come back and win. It's just that now they're dealing with a guy who is drank from the fountain of youth and is the player he was four to eight years
0: ago. Oh yeah, no, he's he's uh, he's Columbus versus Tampa. Bobrovsky is is what we're saying. Um, let me let me rewind to the beginning of this one when you know you're talking about you know your buddies saying like, hey, how how come you don't blast um, the officials more? I think one of the most interesting things, and and right now I'm holding in my hands for anyone watching on Sportsnet 360, um, the NHL official rules guide 2223. okay? And one of the things that I'm always reminded of, because whenever I pick this up, I always look at the back of it to remind myself who the recently retired officials are because they put them at the back of the book. And so in the most recent one, you know, Brad Meyer called it a career, Steve Miller, um, the legend Dean Morton, I uh, called it a career. Von Rohde as well. You know, one of the things that, because I think I've had the same or similar conversations that you've had with people around the game. You know, there's been a lot of experience in the last few years that has been lost with retirements. Mm-hmm. And I know that, like, the officials that are coming in right now, first of all, um, they all they can all skate. Like, that's the one thing that you'll notice about... if We always talk about players and how they can skate. Officials right now, like Stephen Walkums, you know, the crop that comes in every year, athletically, like, these guys are in shape. These guys all played, you know, some type of professional hockey at some level, either in North America or in Europe. Like, they're, they're a wonderful skating group of officials. The one thing that I do wonder about... And I'm not the only one to stumble into this point, trust me. Other people have made this point. I just wonder how much has been lost with all of these you know dean morton's and brad myers and the the veteran experience in feeling out games and being able to to navigate players through games because you talk to any official they'll tell you it's a partnership out there between players and officials Hockey's always a game of of walking that line and it takes a long time to get that feel now i don't know if officials are artificially rushed just because they're athletic. So I'm, I'm not going to say that. I've heard people say that, but I don't mm-hmm. know that. The one thing that I do know is every time I pick up the rule book, I look at the back and I remind myself of the veterans that are no longer skating in this game, and I ask myself, what's the cost? What's the cost of that? And I wonder if that's what, part of the reason why we're seeing you know frustration from fans because there isn't as many veteran hands calling games as there was previous. Does that resonate with
1: you? Not so. I I think that change happened Jeff years ago, like the three major leagues I've covered the most or dealt with the most, you know, prior to becoming a Hockey in Canada person were the NHL, the NBA and major league baseball and major league baseball always had a reputation for umps who would never communicate with players. Um, you know, I like I, I, the, the baseball players always felt that the umpires there, they, they were like they, they, they to just use a phrase like they were drunk with power that they they felt that those umpires never listened to them. And if you ever challenged them, they would get you. I know that the players in the NBA and the NHL, they felt for a long time, at least there was conversation. Um, you know, the NBA and you know, the you're you're a hockey historian, a very good one. Like you know the years where there would be referees like Red Story and they were as big characters as the players and they used to love to oh. give it back to the players as much as they got it. And that was the case in the NBA too. It. The NBA had officials, there was a guy named Earl Strom, for example, he was as big a character as the players. And he would give it back to them as much as they gave it to him. And I know that there was a time, and it's probably about 20 years ago, where I think both the the NBA and the NHL, they stopped that. They said, we don't want that. You know, we don't want you guys communicating with the players in that way. We want you controlling the game. And I know basketball players and hockey players they felt that that was the big change. And I think it was probably about 20 years ago. Like, uh, I, I, I remember a Hall of Fame player freaking out once, just saying, like, I can't, we used to be able to talk to these guys, and now you can't talk to these guys anymore. Yeah. I think that I, I think that happened a long time ago. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing, and, you know, I, I, I think last night, and and one of the things that would probably frustrate, the Maple Leafs and Maple Leafs fans is, and we talked about this on the pod, you know, Paul Maurice at the end of game one in that ingenious little move (laughs) does the five to one with his hands. Right. And that was, that was great camera work and, and great direction work from our people to catch that. And like it worked, Um, you know, there were times last night, the Panthers had a couple penalties early and I'm, 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 I'm going to guess here. And I'm pretty sure I'm right. But the Leafs of the fans are sitting there and saying there should be more. They should be more. And they've, they've got Maurice in their heads, whether they want to admit it or not. And, you know, it happens. People yep. are human. And, uh, and so last night, Keith, he's upset. And, and like, the one thing I really don't blame for Toronto being upset is Nice is hurt. Because that's a good player for you who's now out of the lineup. And, you know, when when Keith – I don't know if Keith really expects Bennett to get a suspension for that cross-check, and I saw he was fine this morning. But the same way that Paul Maurice put that in the referee's head, Sheldon Keith is going to do the same thing. He's putting that in their head. Now, Bennett has gotten penalties this series, but he wants more. And we'll see where that goes on Sunday night in Florida.
0: Did I ever tell you the Mickey Ions story that I'm particularly uh, fond of? Speaking of uh, of officials, I think you'll like this one, Freed. So there was was a referee. This is in the era of, speaking of colorful referees, in the era of Bill Chadwick, who was referred to as the Big Whistle. Uh, Bill Chadwick was the guy that came up with all the hand signs to indicate penalties, slashing, hooking, high-sticking, all of it. That was Bill Chadwick. One of his contemporaries, a guy by the name of Mickey Ions, and Mickey Ions would do the same thing before every game. He'd call, this is back in the three three official system, he'd call the two linesmen to center ice before the game, and he'd hold up a puck, okay? So he'd hold up the puck, and he'd say, Gentlemen, I want you to remember one thing. The minute I drop this puck the three of us become the only sane people in this entire building. (laughs) Again, the moment I drop this, the three of us become the only sane people in the building. It's one of my favorite officiating stories uh, to tell. Uh, Really quick, before I get to the construction question, your thoughts on Dallas last night, jumping back into the series, beating the Seattle Kraken uh, front and center, the return of Jake Ottinger.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone was surprised he was much better. Although, you know, watching that game last night, Seattle thinks they have something on the blocker side. Um, So that'll be interesting to watch uh, the rest of the series. The the Kraken clearly feel that they have something there. Um, uh, I thought, look, I I think, uh, as you said, I expected Ottinger to be a lot better. He was. I thought the Dallas as a team, I thought they really controlled a lot of that game. Uh, The shots were double the ice seemed to be tilted at times towards downhill um towards the cracking end of the ice um you know they got you know they, they got a goal from they got a, they got a a, a goal from the, the the young jedi johnson and a goal from the master <laughs> sagan like on, on May the fourth i and think Pavelski. Should do that and, and Pavelski. Pavelski, too he scored again uh, <laughs> yeah. absolutely like that was a game dallas needed and they absolutely had the one thing I'm watching now yeah. from here on in is just that blocker side on Ottinger and what Seattle thinks they've got there.
0: Right. Okay, so let, let me uh, let me hit you with the Halford and Bruff question from, uh, from the Vancouver Morning Show. So I was yeah. on with them talking about the series and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and they said, here's what we're doing today with our listeners. Which teams, I'm or loosely define what they asked, um, yeah. which team's roster construction impresses you the most of all remaining eight teams. And for me, I said it was a combination of the Florida Panthers and the Dallas stars. Yeah. What is your, do you have one? Do you have two? Which teams construction, like how they put this team together impresses you the most?
1: I've got three. And one of them I agree with you is Dallas uh, simply because they've gone into a bit of a, like they've gone into a, um, a rejuvenation on the fly between their veterans and their kids. Like they they, like two years ago they went to the Stanley or three years ago, excuse me, they went to the Stanley Cup final with (laughs) um, Ben and Sagan and Kudobin leading the way. And now they're in this this second round with Robertson, Pavelski, Ottinger, and a bunch of kids that have rejuvenated Ben and just uh, almost like those two guys are still important, but there's more around them.
0: And they've swapped out they swapped out Klingberg for Haskinen. Like keep yes. going, like the, the, like that team that we saw go to the final against Tampa, it's 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 pretty impressive what we see now, and and it's been seamless, and that's one of the reasons why I said Dallas uh, as well. Anyhow, continue with your other and two.
1: The other two teams would be Vegas and Toronto, and and the reason I'll take Vegas and Toronto is, you know, Vegas has moved heaven and earth to get Eichel and Petrangelo in there. And I remember the interview we did with yeah. Kelly McCrimmon where he talked about those players don't become available and you can win championships with them. So you have to find a way to get them. And I still think Vegas is a really deep team. Um, so that's one. And Toronto, <laughs> like, I, like, like I think they've done a really nice job in Toronto building that team. We know that they have four players, their core four who take up 44 million of the cap. So, you know, what do you do around them? Like, how do you, how do you make them work? How do you make it work? And I think they've done a really good job of finding pieces. And, and like, they have a really good team. And uh, I, I think they've made moves that have really made them better. And despite what's happening in terms of the score in the second round against Florida, I think they've been really creative and really good at continually finding good pieces and finally finding the pieces that made a difference in the first round.
0: Uh game 3 of that uh, Toronto Florida series goes Sunday. Uh, you want to take a last shot at the uh at, at at the schedule before we let you get to uh breakfast at the crack of 12:30 uh, Eastern?
1: <laughs> uh like they talk about the schedule for tonight's game or just uh, what else? What no, you just, about
0: just, this, just, this, just, just the schedule in, in general, because, you know, watching the panel last night, you know, you guys once again talking about how when it comes to that Toronto, Florida series, this schedule now really benefits the Florida Panthers and really benefits Sergei Bobrovsky.
1: You know, I, I think it benefits Mark Stone too. I, I, I do. I think, you know, that the extra day yeah. off look like, um, I, like, Look we I think I think you come to a point, and this is kind of my philosophy in life, Jeff, where you know something happens, you don 't like it, you reach a point where you have to stop complaining about it, and you 've got to move on and maybe other people don't agree with me um, this this is the way it is, and I think there are obviously there are people who don't like it i'm not convinced are leadership is as unhappy about it as a lot of other people are. I'm not convinced of that, Mm. but, um, you know, you reach a point where you say, okay, maybe I don't like this, but this is the way it is. And now you have to deal with it. And for me, at least, um, for me, at least I'm at that point. So whatever happens, whether you don't like it, eventually if you reach the point where you got to say, all right, I can't change it now, I got to deal with it.
0: No, I disagree. I think it's very healthy to pick one thing that you can't change and obsess about it and complain about it until you're blue in the face and you find your pillow at the end of the day angry. That's (laughs) really healthy. It's
1: very healthy, Jeff, I have to say. It's good good for your mental health.
0: Did I tell you I'm a self-help doctor on the side? I'm really a mental, <laughs> mental coach. I'm really, really good that way. I'm trying to, just trying to make ends meet here. Okay, listen. Uh, off to what breakfast about for Bob? you. Bob. Um, Jeff. What about Bob? Oh man. I can't, remember, I
1: can't remember the name of the book in that movie, but that's exactly, Richard Dreyfuss character. What a great, <laughs> what a great movie that is. It's
0: fantastic. Give me any Bill Murray movie. It's tremendous. Um, okay, good stuff. Enjoy your uh, your day, and uh, we'll watch for you on the Magic Eyeball.
1: All right, Have a great weekend, Jeff. Speak to you Sunday night, okay?
0: There he is. Yes, sir. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.